You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And bringing you today's episode is my bookie. Our friends over at MyBookie will match your deposit with up to a 50% bonus. Use promo code LONBA to activate your offer. That's MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Frank, uh, we teased a topic yesterday, and then some other things happened, and now <laughs> we're uh, maybe we'll get to it. I don't know. We will see, um, but we will probably talk about where the Bucks should be um, and kind of how all that uh, is going. We'll take a look at that. We will preview the Charlotte Hornets for the Bucks weekend series, Friday, Saturday, they have the Hornets uh, back-to-back nights, one time in Milwaukee, one time in Charlotte, uh, so we'll preview that game. Uh, but first, some news-ish of the day. Um, it, it's not official yet, uh, but my my teammate over at Good Karma Brands, Ty Bauschak, tweeted out uh, a new Bucks jersey uh, that he saw at uh, Playmakers in Milwaukee, um, and apparently they're out on the rack now. Um, not official, but those are out on the rack now, so I assume that must mean, uh, as I see NBA logos, I see the Nike swoosh, that means those are the Bucks real jerseys. They were teased uh, a little while ago, so this is the fifth set of jerseys for the Bucks this year, um, and they are cream, and there's no doubt that they are cream, uh, with a Bucks logo on the, f- with a buck on the front, uh, with a blue stripe, a black stripe, a white stripe, a cream stripe, and a black stripe, I believe. Is there but, no, is there no green in, in the stripes? I mean, I oh, know no, the lighting. It, oh, just wait. It's a uh, blue, black, green, white, cream, black, I think it looks like. Maybe black and green, uh, to end it once again, or maybe just green to end it. Um, but there's some green in there as well, so, um... I don't know. I rarely have fiery jersey takes. Do you have a fiery jersey take uh, for this this final set of Bucks jerseys? Uh, no, I don't. I don't take jerseys that personally. Um, I know a lot of people um, really are interested in it, and, and I, I'm always interested in jerseys. I mean, I think from you know the design stuff is kind of fun and interesting to think about, um, but I, I never care that much. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm I, I don't own nba jerseys i was gonna say i'm Um, never gonna wear a jersey a basketball jersey like pretty much ever the only time i'll do it and we've had this conversation before like if i'm going to the beach i'm at a pool i'll throw a basketball jersey on um but 
to a game I I would never even before I kind of removed my fandom from the equation. Um, I just feel awkward in jerseys. There's no good. I, I, I think it, w- I, it would be pretty weird if you were in the locker room asking questions and you were wearing a, <laughs> a, another player's jersey. But um, yeah, well, and honestly, it's like it's kind of weird. I mean, like I see people in jerseys. I mean, I don't like think it's weird for people to wear jerseys it's just like i just feel feel really self-conscious yeah i I just yeah and i I don't know i just i just for me it's just because of the tank top it's just hard to be like a middle-aged white guy and wear a tank top um and so and and i I just feel like you know especially like if i wore a jersey i'd want to be Giannis, and Giannis is like you know in in a little bit better shape than me so i feel like i would be disrespecting it a little bit believe it or not he's a little bit a little better shape than me but um i do i do have um a Giannis jersey which i feel like is like the adult it's kind of weird i think i saw someone once tweet something about like oh adults shouldn't wear jerseys it's like wait a minute what i I feel like a jersey is a way more like reason i mean they're hell of a lot cheaper they have sleeves which you know for somebody with pale you know a pale farmer's tan is far more preferable um, to to a tank top jersey. Obviously, you can wear a shirt under a jersey, but um, I don't know. And then it just becomes a whole thing. But anyway, um, as far as the actual jersey goes, I'll say I'll, I'll preface this with a couple of comments. I absolutely love the regular home and road Bucks jerseys. I think they're a complete home run. Um, I like kind of very traditional um, in terms of like just the city name or the team name across the front. You know, the number. Um, I'm I'm kind of I don't know if I'm I'm kind of old school in that regard. Um, so I think the the Bucks regular jerseys are great. I actually was not that into the Fear of the Deer jerseys when they first came out, the Black Fear of the Deer jerseys, because it just felt like there's just, I don't know just too much going on with the the deer antlers and the number and the deer antlers. Um, but then I have to say, like when the player when you see the players actually wear them, like I mean Giannis can you know could wear a garbage bag and probably look pretty cool, um, <laughs> and. You know, he looks pretty badass wearing the Fear of the Deer jersey. So I think it, it kind of, it, those, I think those work in blacks. You know, I think it, it works in the color scheme. Um, so I've kind of come around a little bit on those. Um, and as far as the new jerseys go, like, I'm sure Giannis will look cool in them because, again, he looks cool in everything. Um, professional athletes will probably look cool. Would I buy, like, a jersey in, in, in this color, color scheme? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, I think the idea of the stripes and stuff is, is kind of interesting and cool, or at least has potential. Um, again, I don't really like logos on jerseys, so I would have preferred something that you know does like the you know just Milwaukee or Bucks or something. Um, but you know whatever, it, I, I'm I'm not gonna lose sleep over it. I think it probably would have been safer if they had made a jersey involving the blue. Um, yes. And again, I don't I don't know. I mean, it would be a little weird just because I associate the Bucks so much with green to see a blue jersey but then again also like i mean a cream jersey is also kind of weird uh i don't Mm -hmm. i don't i don't i don't know how much precedent there is for for cream jerseys um have the have the calves had ever had creamish like alternates or some kind of like not white Mm. jersey i'm trying to think i mean they're 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 official colors i think are wine and gold which first off wine is a terrible name for any color on a a pro sports team (laughs) um but uh but I don't know. The Cavs have had like a billion jerseys. I feel like since LeBron's been there, um, and uh, and and I don't know. But I'll just say this: I think I'm not going to lose sleep over them. I think there are some interesting aspects with the the design on the front. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't love them. I would say they're probably my 
easily my least favorite of the other, you know, of the four jerseys that are out now. Um, of the five, if you include the uh, throwbacks, but um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how the players look. I, as as I was joking with you beforehand, uh, I am really amused to see what Matthew Delvadova looks like. Given it'll look like he's basically not wearing anything other than you know maybe some body painted name and and number on him. <laughs> I feel like the that color may be too close to uh, to his milky flesh color, but. Uh, I think uh, I think for the other guys it's probably going to be be fine. So I, I, yeah, so I don't know. That, that's my that's my not so spicy take. Uh, I'm curious to see what they'll look like. Also, I'm just I'm just shocked that they would end up in a store and like before an official announcement like that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm really I haven't I, we haven't I, I don't think either of us has asked any of the people we know who might have an idea of of how that would happen, but. Um, I'm curious to kind of hear the story of this because, I mean, it's one thing, you know, these leaked on, there was that 2K, NBA 2K leak, uh, like maybe a couple weeks ago, which, I mean, we never really talked about. I think about. a week ago or so. Okay, yeah, like a week ago. So NBA 2K, you know, has the jerseys, obviously, um, and they get them in advance so they can put them in the games, uh, the video games. And so, you know, somehow they got accidentally released for, I think, like, basically all the teams um, additional jerseys got released. And so, you know, the bucks were one of those. And so you kind of saw like a, a grainy version of this. So it appears, you know, it'd be the same as, as those. Um, and that kind of makes sense to me that, that, you know, it might leak that way, but the idea that then it would literally be in stock at a store um, before the team has ever, you know, done any type of announcement um, that just, that just seems bizarre, especially because, the the you know the 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 home and road jerseys i mean i was amazed at how bottled up they kept all the jersey designs like i i don't think i don't think we saw like a proper leak of those jerseys did we before they got unveiled i i mean we saw the logo i think that got leaked but yeah um as far as the actual jerseys i mean they kept that under wraps incredibly i think dustin godsey um chief marketing officer of bucks i think he did comment afterwards he was kind of amazed that you know and and you know happily uh, happily about it that uh that nobody really leaked the jerseys so um obviously these are you know the, the fifth jerseys we we've seen so not not as big a deal but interesting that they would actually get into a store before uh for the bucks announce them yeah i was trying to think I, notre dame might be the yeah. only people i've seen with cream jerseys and yeah i think and that, they're more gold and i think yeah i was gonna say gold, that though. that's a darker like it's cream ish and I don't know that I've seen anyone really go with a cream. I wonder. I think maybe some of the the Christmas jerseys um, might have been more cream than than white. Maybe I'm making that up, but I feel like I'm imagining a Spurs jersey from Christmas that was more cream than white. Um, but again, maybe I'm making that up. And I don't know. It, it's going to be. Strange. I think you're making that up. I, 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 like I <laughs> said, had, I think they have. I think they have like camo jerseys now, right? Like the Spurs have some weird camo jerseys. Um, I don't know. But, I, I'm yeah. looking at this. I just did like a cream jerseys NBA search as I was talking there, and it looks like there's a cream Kawhi Leonard jersey that I can buy in the NBA store. Maybe you're right. Um, cause I, I bet thought, it sucks. Yeah, it doesn't look great. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah it does not look great but yeah it appears that it was a Christmas jersey but yeah there's not a lot of cream and obviously I I think there's not a lot of cream because cream is a very difficult color to work with Um, you know me I've actively been campaigning for blue jerseys 
Um, I wanted to see one of those, um, even if it was just going to be the Bucks' fifth jersey. Um, that was that was something I wanted to see. So I'm a little bit disappointed I didn't get to see it, but uh, I think the concept is okay here. But just with Cream as the backdrop, um, it's scary. It's very scary. <laughs> um, I think actually, yeah. Now I'm also seeing the Kawhi jersey. I I I'm wondering, did they ever even wear these? I'm kind of I'm I'm wondering if these are like you know like the Bucks also had Christmas jerseys that they'd never actually yeah. wore. That, um, see, that's what I was trying to balance in my head. Like, if I actually saw that, or <laughs> I don't know. But either way, um, cream's pretty difficult. I, I don't know how. I, it's gonna I, by look. the way, I think I think these Christmas jerseys are technically eggnog colored, just for the record. But that you know, that could be not to not to not to nitpick here. But yeah, bad <laughs> joke. Go ahead. Um, all right, so jerseys they exist. The Bucks will wear them. And we will keep it moving, probably. They'll, they'll wear them a couple times, and the game will happen, and we will discuss the game uh, after it occurs. We, <laughs> we might talk about the jerseys a little bit during that discussion, but it doesn't seem like something that's going to occupy a lot of our time. Uh, so we'll see. Like you said, I'm curious to see white guys wear that jersey um, <laughs> because it's going to be really strange it is going to be a pretty weird look for them to have on so um i guess if we we won't even get to see mirza wear it so just it'll deli let's see what you got big guy uh because it's gonna look like you're shirtless out there um so that'll that'll be fun and frank something that can also be fun is betting on the biggest games and you can do just that at mybookie.ag where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on and if you want to make money betting the bowl games you gotta go to mybookie.ag and don't take my word for it check them out for yourself they have odds on every matchup as well as in-game live betting on all this season's nfl and bowl games join now and my bookie will match your deposit with up to a 50 percent bonus use promo code l-o-n-b-a to activate their offer again that's l-o-n-b-a visit mybookie.ag today you play you win you get paid moving on to expectations We teased this idea a little bit the other day, um, yesterday, and what we were talking through was kind of the idea that we always end up having conversations about Jason Kidd, and a number of people are obviously always talking about firing Jason Kidd, and we just end up having those conversations, and we kind of wanted to flip it around and try to take a look at exactly how talented we think this Bucks team is and what we think they should be capable of. And I think why that's important is if if Jason Kidd is failing this team in what ways, how could they be better, why should they be better? Um, so I guess where do you want to go from here, Frank? This was something we, we had kind of teed up and as I sit here, I'm trying to figure out exactly the best way to go about it. Should we try to rank them in terms of their talent in the Eastern Conference, in the league? Should we just talk about the talent that they have? Where do you want to go here? Well, yesterday we mentioned that we actually did prepare a little bit for yesterday's podcast, and you can tell we did not prepare for this podcast. But I did think about it Hey, I watched. Uh, hey, I watched The Last Jedi tonight. <laughs> you got lost in a Michael Beasley MVP for performance, so... like. It's understandable. Okay? I, I regret nothing. I regret nothing. But um, I actually, so I actually did think about this. So I thought maybe as a baseline, we could talk a little bit about what we expected coming into this season. Then maybe we can kind of make an adjustment for you know the the moves that have happened and also 
what we've seen from different players. Um, because I think, you know, again, what we expected coming into the season, I think then you have to make an adjustment for acquiring Bledsoe in exchange for Monroe. And then I think you have to make a further, you know, like obviously we've seen different things from different players this year. But I think, you know, fundamentally the big recalibration is that, you know, indeed Giannis has taken another step beyond even where he was a year ago. And so I think that that's kind of how I would think about it. And then I think we can also think about a little bit. Another kind of reference point I would, I've been using was just kind of looking at teams the last couple of years that have gotten to kind of where the Bucks want to get. And not in terms of like the Golden State Warriors or, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the teams like that. But, um, you know, some of the teams that we've talked about being you know, teams that you would target if you're trying to break into the top four, namely, you know, like the Raptors and, and Wizards and sort of looking at, well, what were their statistical profiles and, and what's reasonable? And w- why don't we start with the expectation going into the season? Because I think m- my prediction going into the season, and obviously this is a prediction with Jason Kidd as head coach, but I, I think we kind of banned it a little bit because I, I, I said, and I said this on the dunked on season preview of the Bucks as well, you know, I felt like meh, with Jason Kidd, you know, with this roster, Jabari being out most of the year, I was thinking 45 or 46 wins, right? And yep. and that's not to say that that's what I think the peak potential of this team is. I think, you know, what I said was I think there is a 50-win team in there somewhere that if things break right, things develop as they should. In particular, what we always highlighted was if the defense can make that leap from below average to above average, which we think there's no excuse for them not to. Um, I think there's absolutely that potential to win somewhere in the low 50s with this team. Um, you were, I think, you know, you can speak to it yourself, obviously, but um, you were a little bit more bullish on where the Bucks would actually be than I was. Not much more bullish, but you were a little bit more bullish than I was as well. Yeah, I was, I think, 48 officially on this podcast. Um, I was in that 47 to 49 range, and um, as we attempted to explain it and as I attempted to parse out my opinion it essentially came down to Giannis like <laughs> that that's pretty much he's just such a transcendent player he's going to take another leap and I really how this team was constructed earlier I think you had uh, maybe again you were asking a lot out of Giannis but the the starting lineup was a little bit cleaner um, offensively, everything kind of made sense that you had shooters in Brogdon and Middleton uh, and, and Snell, and you were able to kind of put three shooters on the floor. Obviously, the hope would be that Maker would fill about 20 minutes as a shooter at the five, and all of a sudden you have some shooting around Giannis, and you can have uh, an elite-ish offense. And that was kind of what I was pushing early on in the season, and I. I felt that the defense was kind of a lost cause. Obviously, some hope because of how good their personnel is and how well that should fit just about any defensive scheme. But uh, I was kind of pinning it all on on Giannis and the offense being very good. And I don't know if it's played out quite that way thus far. Obviously, a, a big recalibration in the offense with Eric Bledsoe coming over as well. Yeah, and, you know, I remember... Um... I don't know if this was before or after the Bledsoe trade, but I, I remember there, there was some discussion on Twitter and um, friend of the pod, old brew hoop commenter section favorite, uh, William Armstrong, a.k.a. Canada Bucks, um, was 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 more skeptical and was kind of like, well, you know, why why would this why would you expect this team to even be in the conversation for 50 wins? Why would you expect them to be able to make that kind of leap? And 
I mean, my answer is kind of simple. I mean, first off, you know, what what do sort of unbiased metrics suggest about this team? And, you know, we talked about the um, RPM win projections that, you know, Kevin Pelton did. I think they were at like 47 or so wins, 48 wins maybe um, in the preseason. Um, other models kind of had them in similar ranges. I mean, there were no kind of like analytical models that said, oh, the Bucks are actually like a 38-win team or even like a 40-win team, right? All the ones that I saw that were using, you know, um, things like RPM or, or basically things that, you know, you tried to basically build up through point differential and, and kind of real building block type stuff suggests that the Bucks should be should be pretty good, right? I mean, yep. some of them maybe less less bullish than others. Maybe they're a little over 500. Um, others more, you know, maybe getting high 40, something like that. And so I think that's an important reference point because, again, like, you know, uh, there there's some expectations around, you know, improvement and, you know, obviously not a lot around, like, player movement just because there weren't, weren't many moves the Bucks made in the summer. Um, but I think that's a it's an interesting starting point for, you know, kind of what what's a reasonable starting point for this team. And, you know, again, I, I, I don't want to say that, oh, well, they're going to improve because they have all these young guys and they're all going to inevitably get better because the Bucks have a number of young players. But, you know, as, as Andrew Sharp wrote in the piece yesterday um, on SI, you know, Giannis is 23. Thon is obviously young. Um, Thon is is presumably younger. Um, and other than that, in the starting five or, or sorry, in the in, the, you know, really the, the regular rotation. There's nobody else who's under 25. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon just turned 25. Um, you know, Henson, Middleton, Bledsoe, those guys are, they're not old, but they're all just squarely in their prime. And so, you know, the the idea that like this Bucks team is super young, I mean, they could be super young if they played their young guys, you know, like Sterling Brown, DJ Wilson, Rashad Vaughn. But those guys obviously are much more peripheral players. They're not really important pieces right now. And so this is not that young of a team. And um, so obviously so much of the improvement, um, it, it has to come from, from certainly Giannis and, um, and obviously uh, you'd hope that Jabari would be part of that story as well, but, but we're not there yet. So, um, so I think that's kind of the starting point for me. And then obviously, um, you know, that, that question is that you alluded to, you know, can, can Giannis bring you that sort of discontinuous leap that maybe a model wouldn't tell you that like, oh, Giannis is going to go from being, you know, a top seven to 10 player and he's going to be a top three player right i mean again like he his growth curve has been so steep um that on the one hand i think all of us that watch him kind of came into the season saying like i will never bet against Giannis continuing to get even better like when Giannis talked about you know being a potentially having a chance at most improved again because if he wins mvp maybe he can win it maybe he can win most improved again you know it's kind of like no, that's not going to happen. But then you're kind of like, mm, I'm not going <laughs> to bet against that. You know? And, you know, I I begrudgingly said Giannis was not going to be a top four uh, MVP candidate this year. You did. So um, I, it, certainly there's a good argument to be made that he's probably he's probably close to three. I mean, Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue had him at two and three. I think Danny had him second. Nate Duncan had him as third maybe a week or two ago. Um you know, at worst, he's, you know, I think it's probably a two, two man race right now, but he's in that conversation for maybe three or four. Um, so again, and that, a lot of that's just wins, right? If the Bucks yep. were, had, you know, if the Bucks had the Raptors record right now, I think Giannis would be squarely in that MVP conversation, but, but they're not. So, 
Let me pause there for a moment. Do you have anything else to add on that? Because otherwise, I think you know I, I've got a couple data points that that we can talk about. Maybe as far as other teams that are in that low fifty win range. Because spoiler alert, that's what I think the Bucks should be targeting. And obviously, we talked about that 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 was something they talked about. But anything else you want to talk, you know, kind of add in the in the vein of of some of those points I just brought up? Yeah, I think the age obviously is kind of a bit of a misnomer. Um, like you had mentioned that. People think this team is very young, but it might not be that way. Um, and then I, I think maybe before the season, um, maybe before the season, I was a bit too high on Thon Maker and a bit too low on Malcolm Brogdon. Um, mm. it, as we've watched, Brogdon has taken another step. He's sped up that. Uh, the sped up that jumper a little bit. Um, he's been able to hit some threes <laughs> off the dribble, which is, he's at, I think he's at Korean War. Uh, I think that's rifle. Fair. Yep. I think I, he's at Korean War rifle in terms of the speed of his release right now. Yes, I would agree. Um, so he he's moving up that way. He's hitting some threes off the dribble. He's still able to get to the rack. He's finishing uh, a little bit better at the rim. So there's there's a lot more to like there with Malcolm Brogdon. And like I said, maybe I I pinned his ceiling. Up just a little bit too low and with Thon maybe I put his floor a little bit too high um maybe that floor isn't what what we had kind of always thought that well even if he doesn't learn how to shoot he can be an energy guy help out on defense and do some of that and that's proven not to not to really be true he's had a a little bit better weaker the last week or so has been a little bit better for Thon um and you hope that maybe that was just some sputtering out of the gates and he'll start to figure some things out as he starts to figure out the NBA a little bit more um but I think those are two important-ish data points uh, as you look at this team because I think in one case and I guess it it speaks to the larger idea of non-linear progression you don't know exactly how much better people are going to get no, no matter how much you feel you know about a certain player you don't know what's coming that next year you don't know what kind of work they're going to put in the off season. you don't know their capability for learning new things you, you don't know any of those things um so that throws in a little bit of a, a very bit of variability there and then i think also um just with the rookies i think you expect you expect rookies to be bad but you expect rookies to be able to give you some minutes um, and they have not been able to do that to this point. And again, we haven't seen a lot from DJ Wilson. I think we've seen I'm, at this point, honestly, we've seen a little bit more from Sterling Brown. Like, yeah. granted, it's only been the last two weeks where he's actually gotten a chance for rotation minutes. But in those rotation minutes, he was gone. Let's see, toe to toe now with Chris Paul, James Harden, and LeBron James in the last four or five days. Like, it, that's that's pretty serious stuff. And he seemed to be up to the task. So so maybe, again, I agree that the age is a misnomer, but also if you get a little bit more out of Brown here in the second half, again, he's he's an advanced prospect. But still, um, if you get a little bit more out of him, that bumps the age back down a little bit. And if you get some minutes from DJ Wilson, which seems unlikely uh, at this point this season, um, that would do that as well. So th- that was just the one other thing I wanted to add there. Yeah, and the the irony is in terms of the Bucks winning games, you know, the Jason Kidd running Giannis and Chris into the ground in you know as opposed to throwing some minutes to guys like DJ Wilson and Sterling Brown or Rashad Vaughn. I mean, 
that will help you win games in the short term. Like even if yeah. it it creates some diminishing returns um, as far as you know, Giannis maybe isn't as good in those last couple minutes because he's played 42 minutes rather than 35 minutes. 75% um, of Giannis is a hell of a lot better <laughs> yeah. than 100% of DJ Wilson. Right. So you're kind of cheating. And, and this is, I think, a big reason why, like, you know, a guy like Thibodeau as well, like, runs these guys into the ground. And, you know, like, the the Timberwolves offense is also, like, surprisingly good. Um, you know, the Timberwolves and Bucks, I think there's a lot of similarities in the sense that um, both teams have, like, nominally like three main players offensively and you know i think a lot of people might say like well we'll, we'll wait a minute like you know the big three of the wolves is more of a legitimate big three because you know Giannis is really the only big big guy in in the wool in the the bucks um you know big three but i mean wiggins is this year has been terrible and he's always been overrated and i mean there's no question that Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe are better, more valuable NBA players than than Wiggins at this point. And even Towns, as great as he's been, obviously has, has not been kind of what people hope for this year. So I think there is some interesting stuff there because both teams, you know, are not like typical, like, oh, they just stretch you out and, you know, 21st century offense you to death. You know, that, that, that's not really what they do, but they do lean really heavily on their best players. And, you know, if you play your best players tons and tons of minutes, um, it's probably going to prop up your offense, especially given that the Bucks, you know, bench has been depleted. And obviously some of the guys that, you know, the Liggins is of the world. Now these guys, I mean, they're playing more than you'd like for sure. Um, but we are also, you know, that's being offset a little bit by the fact that you are getting, you know, f- on many nights, 40 plus minutes from, from yeah. Chris and Giannis. So I think, you know, not to kind of, you know, I, I guess bury the lead too much. I mean, again, I, I think this Bucks team should be a team in the low 50s. Now, could Eric Spolstra or Brad Stevens or Greg Popovich, you know, get them to be a team that wins 57 games? It's possible, you know, like I think there's a best case scenario with these guys, um, especially defensively. Uh, You know, I, I still just don't see any reason from a personnel standpoint why this team is condemned to be a bottom 10 defensive team in the league. There's just no excuse. We've said that all year. We've said this is, you know, really the cross that Jason Kidd um, likely will die on will be, you know, his defense and his inability to get this team to defend at a high level because there just just isn't an excuse anymore. Um, And so I think when I look at this team and you think about, well, why are they, you know, only a little over 500 and have a negative point differential, which means they, they're really like basically a 500 team right now. Um, why are they like that? Yeah, obviously there's some, some explanations. I mean, yes, they don't have Jabari back. You know, yes, they've had other injuries. Certainly the bench has been depleted. Um, but you know, I mean, I think all the bucks on Twitter had a, uh, a post the other day, you know, talking about. Uh, listing out all the players who've had PERs of, of greater than 31, which is where Giannis is right now. And granted, you know, PER is the flawed stat, blah, blah, blah. But like the, the number of guys that have had PERs above 31 are, I mean, it's basketball royalty, right? Like it's LeBron and Jordan and like maybe Wilt. And, you know, it's that those yeah. are the guys who, who have those stats. And all those guys, when they put up those numbers, were going to conference finals or NBA finals or winning, you know, MVPs and championships and things like that. Um, and obviously, the Milwaukee Bucks are not close to any of that. And um, you know, again, it's not to say that it's inexcusable that the Bucks are not competing for a title. I think there are, there are reasons why they're not that good. Um, but to say that they're condemned to being a 500 team is obviously ludicrous. And um, and I think it does start with the defense. So I mean, I, so I'll give you some numbers here. So. 
I think last year's Raptors are an interesting team to look at because last year's Raptors, they win 51 games. They had the sixth best offense in the league. They scored 112.3 points per 100. They had the 11th best defense. They gave up 107.8 points per 100. So they had a point differential of plus 4.5 points per 100, which, you know, basically if you do the estimation of like what, you know, basically you, if you on average outscore your points by 4.5, you're, you're on average going to win 52 games out of 82, right? The exact record of the 2001 bucks, not coincidentally. So to me, that's an interesting benchmark because when we, you, you've talked about the bucks and why we should say this could be an elite offensive team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and again, not to make this all about comparing uh, the Bucks to the Raptors, but last year's Raptors team was bottom 10 in the league in terms of three pointers attempted and three pointers made. So last year's Raptors were not a, you know, heavily three point dependent team. Obviously, lots to talk about, you know, DeRozan being a uh, an unconventional high volume scorer uh, because he doesn't shoot lots of threes. Um, they had, you know, uh, two very clear, good weapons offensively in Lowry and DeRozan. Um, and, you know, DeRozan was putting up 27. Lowry's putting up 22. Yeah, you can draw comparisons there between the Bucks, right? With Giannis being obviously a, a clearly a better scorer than DeRozan, more efficient, um, obviously better all-around player for sure. Um, and then, you know, Lowry was something like, you know, a, a Middleton or, or Bledsoe. And arguably the Bucks have a deeper kind of top three than, than even the Raptors did last year. So I think offensively there's something kind of interesting there um, that you can say, you know, I think that right now the Bucks are a shade under 110 points per 100. Could they be even better? Um, I'm sure they could be even better, right? I mean, certainly uh, getting healthy will help. Um, you know, a team with Jabari Parker can can obviously, you would think, get better offensively, especially with those bench units. Now, granted, we can't, you know, Jabari Parker, we can't rewind the clock and make him start on opening night or be back opening night. So that's kind of irrelevant for this year's team. You know, he's going to be back when he's going to be back. Um, but I think, yeah, being like you've talked about, this team maybe wait, maybe it could be the fourth or fifth best offense in the league if they actually lived up to their potential. So let's say they're sixth offensively, and then defensively, could could this team be you know eleventh in defense? Of course, why the hell not? Right? Yeah. I mean, you know, again with with the personnel they have, um, I, I don't think there's any question that that that's not a a, a tall ask. So you kind of just do kind of do the math on that and. You know, granted, I know, again, not to kind of go blow for blow and say, you know, well, the Raptors had this guy and that guy. And so actually they were deeper. You know, I think the Raptors certainly have an argument for clearly being more you know, deeper last year than the Bucks are this year. Um, but again, I think on the flip side, you know, there's arguments that the Bucks have obviously a superstar who's way better than anybody the Raptors had last year. And, you know, they have three guys who are potential 20 point scorers every night. And the, the Raptors really didn't have that. So. Um, so I think the Raptors are last year's Raptors. I think are an in- interesting comparison point for what the Bucks could be this year, just in terms of again, just simply looking at where you rank in terms of offense and defense. And you know, again, if you're top ten offense and top ten defense, you're going to win a ton of games. <laughs> yes, you're you're not going to finish you know at 500 if you have a top 10 offense and top 10 defense. Likewise, if you have you know the 10th best offense, I think the Bucks are what eighth or ninth right now, and you finish 23rd in defense. Uh, you're not going to win 50 games that way either. So, um, so I, again, I think it's just really so much of it comes down to the defense. I think the offense um, could be better, certainly. Uh, and the defense, though, is is really what what is the you know restrictor plate on on what the Bucks are able to do right now and and why they aren't winning at a higher rate. I mean, and keep in mind, especially with that offense and the clutch, you know, all the great clutch performances they've had this year in terms of the team being really good late in games. Um, that's why they've won more games than 
probably their point differential suggests they should they should um so we'll see if that keeps up but um you know you can only hope that the defense kind of catches up to the offense and the offense gets even a little bit better and again like like i've been saying throughout this year like even if you're not top 10 offensively and top 10 defensively I'm going to feel a lot better about calling you a 50-win team, a team that can win a bunch of games, is if your offense is, what whatever it is, top seven or eight, just get to the middle of the pack. Like, just don't be in the bottom third, and then you can start to feel a lot better about this team um, and just feel like, okay, this team has a chance to win every night. And again, that's never the way anyone wants it to be, that it's the offense that you lean on, but... Plenty of teams have won a bunch of games with their offense being better than their defense. Like that, that can be a way you win. Um, and the Bucks just haven't been able to do it. And I think you've you've hit on it a hundred percent. Like the defense just has to be better, and that's how you're going to win more games. And there isn't an excuse. And you said we've been saying it all season. Hell, we've been saying it for the last year and a half. Years. Like, <laughs> We said it all of last season. We said it all of this off season. We said it this entire season, this entire month, the entire week, the entire episode. Like we talk about it all the time. Like the defense just has to be better, and there isn't a reason for it to be as bad as it is. So, um, or at least from a personnel standpoint. Obviously, <laughs> there are other reasons why it is that bad. But from a personnel standpoint, there really isn't excuses. So, um, it, it's just a matter of figuring some of those things out. And obviously, we've talked about how the scheme has gotten a little bit less aggressive but now in the last two weeks we've seen the bucks get lit up on a number of nights and again what it's been is some miscommunications when they are playing less aggressive uh some missed switches uh just a a lack of clarity and focus and like you've said before well if you switch your defensive scheme 20 minutes or 20 games into the season it's probably to be expected. Like <laughs> you should expect guys to still have some of the tendencies from the old system uh, as you change over to a new system, and you're going to have some mistakes with all of that. So maybe putting it in before the season would have been a little bit better. But yeah, the the defense just has to figure it out because I obviously I've been very bullish on this, but I have no doubts in this offense. No whether or not it's constructed very well they just went through a roughish patch where they didn't have any of their shooters like even if there is no backside movement and uh some of the sets lack creativity like they have three guys that are or one guy that's an an exceptional transcendent offensive talent and two guys in Bledsoe and Middleton that are very good offensively like though that alone should be top 10 and then if you just tweak it just slightly that's that's top five offense and um you squeeze just enough juice out of that and squeeze just enough juice out of that defense and you have a team that should be in that conversation that we've been talking about with 50 wins yeah so i i think it's gonna be interesting to just to watch you know i mean i think the defense in in general obviously we saw some better performances uh after bledsoe came over um you know, the the starting lineup, you know, was put on hold a little bit with the Gary Payton to uh, experience the DeAndre Liggins experience while Tony Snell's been coming back. I mean, I, for the love of God, I really hope Tony Snell is back in that starting. Five. I mean, if Tony Snell doesn't isn't restored to the starting five um, it, this weekend, I'm I mean, again, like I. I'm probably more patient with a lot of rotation stuff than a lot of people, um, and especially of late. I mean, look, 
you know, there some guys who weren't that good were going to have to play when, when all these guys were injured. But now that you've got guys back, um, you know, let's quit screwing around with Delhi starting, you know, put Snell in like your team is like basically your starting five puts up warrior starting five numbers when you have that group of five with Snell. So just go with it. Like this is this is really easy. Right? Like this is this isn't hard. You know, are you like, actually concerned it, that it won't be? I'm a little concerned. Okay. Because I, you know, because like I, for me, the the minute restrictions of like ten for Delhi and twenty for Snell were enough to talk me out of that game. Snell being in the starting lineup, but I would agree. Yeah, if it goes past with minute restrictions bumping up, you would have to assume Snell with a couple days off here is up to thirty ish. Like, yes, that that should be a start. And I'm trying to figure out how concerned I am. And and like we joked about earlier this week, there's a, there's probably a spite start in there somewhere. Um, so so <laughs> maybe, maybe if you if you ask if you ask about it, like and then you know we know that if you and Matt Velasquez like ask in a way that makes Jason Kidd feel like he's being threatened and questioned about his starting decisions. He's going to start, um, you know, he's, he, he's you know going to start. Jets ready. Jets he's going to, he's going to, he's going to wheel jet out there in a wheelchair just to like, you know, and then try to find you in the crowd and glare at you. Um, so, so just don't, don't, that, and that's kind of what's come to like, you, you're not allowed to ask probing questions about lineups because the coach may spite you and, and, and try to start somebody bad. Um, but I, I mean, it's just right. Cause, cause, when the Bucks had that that period of struggles, he put Tony Snell on the bench. I think what was it, the Utah game? Um, I, I remember at least the Utah game. I don't know if there was another game where Snell came off the bench, but um, and Snell actually played really well off the bench. But you know, obviously Peyton's bad, and that that didn't help. Um, so, and I, and I think actually Snell started. Did Snell start the second half of that Utah game in Utah when they actually had a nice run? I'm, I'm trying to remember. If, maybe I'm just imagining that, but I thought Peyton did not start the second half um, in Utah. Um, I could be wrong, but either way, um, it seemed like Kid kind of came back around, and they, re, you know, he came back into the starting five, and then they started playing better again. And usually, that's pretty much like you know how Kid operates, right? Like if they're if he does something and then they win some games, then he just keeps doing it. Um, so again, I, I will hope that the history of of Snell's success with the starting five means that we will see Snell back in the starting five against the Hornets. But um, who knows, right? Um, yeah. It, it you never know. So Any, anything else you wanted to get out? I, I feel like we've covered it. We've, in, we've covered it. We've okay. covered. Should we talk about the Hornets briefly? Sure, let's do it. Uh, so we can say with confidence that the Bucks should be a 50-ish win team, and that's where we feel confident saying. And again, I'll give myself plus or minus two each way, so 52 to 48. Like that, I think that's about where they should be, um, and we'll see if they can play to that level as the season goes on. Well, one, one, thing, to, one thing to add, got someone we didn't really talk about at all, but you know, I mean, obviously we can go down the whole roster and say, like, well, this guy's been better, this guy's been worse, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think really important, you know, we talked about, you mentioned Thon disappointing this year, and that's certainly been the case. Um, we didn't talk about, I mean, losing Greg Monroe is, relative to what Greg Monroe brought last year, I mean, that, that's a big deal, right? I mean, it's not like getting Eric Bledsoe and putting him in the starting five, like, came at no cost in terms of, like, if you compare, you know, the roster and the contributions of what you had last year versus this year, like, Bledsoe has to be pretty good to actually make up for losing Greg Monroe. Now, you know, part of the obvious benefit is Bledsoe's going to play more minutes um, and he's going to play both ways. And, you know, I think you, you get more juice out of him than, than you could Monroe, especially moving forward. Um, 
But John Henson actually being a part of like great lineups. I was just going to say, if you were going to spend all this time talking about Bledsoe and not mention Henson, I was about to jump in and, and be very upset. Yeah, he's been great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and again, I don't think John Henson is necessarily like doing anything like totally different than he did previously. I mean, I think maybe more consistently. Maybe pat- yeah, maybe his passing has been a little bit better. Um, but I think, again, like part of it is as well. You know, teams don't play through the post that much anymore. You know, I mean, it's just kind of I mean, again, this isn't like a brand new thing, but. Um, again, it's not like, you know, he's going against Shaq every night and I realize he didn't do that the last few years either, but, um, you know, kind of a different NBA and, and his request, you know, his, his, the ask of him is lower, you know, he never has to really do anything offensively. Um, although he does shoot those random mid range jumpers, uh, more than probably I think makes sense. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the bucks have been great with him on the floor and for a role player, you know, it's kind of like sometimes hard to figure out why and whether it's sustainable. But he's a fun Bucks trivia question right now because if you asked anyone who the Bucks leader in net rating is, I don't think you're getting John Henson as the answer, and that's the correct <laughs> one. Like yeah. he's he's a plus six point six right now, um, and it's more uh, the offense uh, one hundred eleven point nine with him on the floor, the defense one hundred five point two. So it's not stifling defense; it's the offense working with John Henson on the floor. Yeah. If you're, so, if you're looking so th- for a surprise, you. like <laughs> so, thank you, Giannis. I think that's that's, that's a big part of the story. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the Hornets because the Hornets, um, our, our old friend Dwight Howard, uh, um, is is going to give John Henson uh, probably a handful. Is going to throw yep. some elbows at him. Um, but other than, I mean, Dwight Howard has been kind of. I mean, I don't even know if you want to call Dwight Howard a good story because like, I don't think anybody cares about Dwight Howard anymore. Yep. Um, but in terms of this this Hornets team, I I still I mean without looking at their numbers, I was still kind of like confused as to how they're they've been so disappointing. I mean, they still have like a number of good players and seemingly some good role players, and obviously Steve Clifford has been out with this medical issue. Um, but but I don't know. I mean, it's sort of these things like you go into this weekend, and you know Gary Wolfel was saying something about like oh if they don't with bucks don't win both games and there should i don't know it's going to be like the you know biggest disappointment in the world history or something and i was just as when he said that i was just kind of like well first off like i mean these are professional this basketball teams um and these are the bucks and it's a back-to-back including a road game so uh i, I you know i i'm still not trusting the bucks yep. um but uh, and just just to give you guys in a sense, so the Bucks are minus five point five on Friday, seventy one percent chance to win. Um, and on Saturday, I mean, it's a road game, so the Hornets are actually favored fifty six percent minus one point five. So there you go. There's a less than you know fifty percent chance they they win both these games for sure. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, what is the? Are, are you how surprised are you that the Hornets have been this bad and? I don't know. I mean, do you think this is just what they're going to be this year? Or do you think they're going to dig out of this? Man, that's a really tough question. Um, I think you always, when Dwight Howard is on a team, you want to point to that and say, that's the reason. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he, Jeremy, our friend Jeremy Schmidt would certainly point to that reason. <laughs> uh, but when you look at him, like he's been pretty decent. Like 15 points per game, 12 and a half rebounds per game, a um, uh, block and a half per game. Like, He's generally fine. Kemba Walker has been great again, 21 points, almost six assists, a couple rebounds, a steal per game. But then just after that, I think that's probably your answer for why this Hornets team, maybe you shouldn't have a ton of hope because you look at a guy like Nicholas Batum who has a huge contract and has missed a bunch of games. He only played in 17 and he was meh. 
Marvin Williams, who had a career year two years back, now he's just been meh. Uh, well, let me let me call you on that though. Williams, Marvin's still shooting forty three percent from three, but he's just a low volume guy, right? So it's correct. just like but he's like, not going to make that up year. For he you. had been higher, like he he had yeah. been shooting more threes, and that was like kind of what unlocked them. And I would need to go look at his career, but I think he was attempting like five or six a game, and that's back down. Um, and he, that career year just isn't there. And then you look at. Malik Monk, who obviously had a huge game against the Bucks the first time they played him, um, but he's a rookie and pretty blah. And then Jeremy Lamb, who's having a resurgent year, um, but still, I, I don't know how much he moves the needle. Frank Kaminsky, MKG, like there's just a lot of question marks on that team, and a lot of spots where you you kind of have to rely on the coach to get the most out of all of those guys and Clifford is a guy that I really respect but at the same time if you have eight guys on your team that you need the coach to actively get the most out of well that's not probably the best recipe for a basketball team you need guys that can just be consistent and make plays and have talent and not need that that prodding that that specialization whatever it may be to get the most out of them and I don't know. This just seems like a team that could really struggle as as the year continues to go on. Um, there's not a lot I like on that roster. The other other piece, I mean, Cody Zeller has often been ascribed as the uh, to being the the secret stadium sauce of of that lineup. Um, you know, the last couple of years, for whatever reason, I mean. You know, they they always seem to be way better when he plays versus when he doesn't play. Uh, and he's out with a knee injury for for at least another month or so. Um, so that that's obviously hurt. And as you said, I mean, it's just a lot of guys. You know, Lamb has certainly been very impressive. Um, you know, Dwight's numbers have have been good overall, uh, putting up 16 points, uh, 12 and a half boards. Um, you know, he's kind of putting up numbers, which, you know, I mean, even the last few years, I mean, Dwight has put up numbers, right? Yeah. Um, but I think the real killer is is Batum, right? I mean, I think he still owed like something like a hundred million on the remaining four years of his contract, and came in a season injured. And you know, again, he's giving you less than ten points. He, he does give you almost five assists. Um, good passer, but you know, he's shooting twenty eight percent from three, thirty nine percent from the field. I mean, that that's tough. I mean, that that that's supposed to be like your your other kind of guy who gets you buckets and you know lamb has been nice and, and filled in really nicely for him and um they've probably been worse since batum came back and started eating into lamb's minutes um but it, it's tough as you said i mean mkg just has stagnated has never really gotten any better from kind of when he had those injury years and has, has not learned how to shoot um despite the best efforts of everyone in that organization and um yeah it's it's I mean, it's a team that's talented enough on any given night. I mean, like we saw, I mean, that was not typical what we saw uh, in Charlotte that last game when they hit whatever the franchise record was for threes in a game. Um, but, I mean, there's clearly enough talent there, right? It, it's not like playing the Phoenix Suns where, you know, you look at it and you say, like, this isn't really a professional basketball team. Yep. Um, so th- there, there's enough pieces there that, you know, yeah, they, they absolutely can, be, can, can beat you. Um, this is still a team that... Um, I mean, I think they still have a chance at at making it um, into the playoffs in, in the East. You know, I think there's still you know enough pretenders are out there. You know, I mean, the Hornets are 11 and 20, but 
you know, they're five and a half back of the Knicks, and the Knicks have played pretty much all their game, all their games at home. And so so we'll see. I mean, Charlotte's five hundred at home. They're two and eleven on the road. So they've been terrible on the road. And obviously, you know, again, um, I think they just have broader issues than just like, oh, they just can't win win on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but clearly they they need to kind of get things right. They're still about an average defense. Um, so it's not like they're completely terrible um, in, in that phase. The offense has, has not been nearly as good as it's been the last couple of years. Um, but again, they're a team that, you know, you play any team two nights, two, twice in two nights. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, the cliche is it's hard to beat the same team twice back to back. And um, I certainly would, would expect that to be the case, right? I don't think you could take anything for granted, especially with a team that cannot be trusted, like the Bucs. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in terms of like what this team does, um, like from a four-factor perspective, they are last in the league in effective field goal percentage. They are first in the league in limiting their turnovers. Th- this is the fifth straight year that the Hornets are first in the league in terms of not coughing up the ball, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, um, they've improved probably because of Dwight. Their offensive rebounding a lot from they've been bottom five or six last four years. Up this year, they're eleventh in offensive rebounding. They get to align the second highest rate um, in terms of free throw rate, which obviously Dwight's probably part of that. Which you know maybe blunts it a little bit because he's just over fifty percent from the line. Um, and then defensively, they're a great defensive rebounding team, and they don't give up many fouls, don't give up many free throws. So, um, so, and that's kind of the you know the 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 deconstruction of kind of what they do, and um, you know, in terms of defense, um, they give up. They're bottom ten and giving up sort of frequency of of three pointers, um, and that's been a big problem. I mean, I think they led the league in most, or they were worse in the league in terms of most three pointers allowed last year. Um, and again, maybe not as horrible this year. Um, but again, they certainly are susceptible to three-point shooting, and um, they they do though do a good job of limiting shots at the rim. They're third in the league in terms of limiting shots at the rim. So, um, so we'll see kind of how it all adds up. I think the the one thing you know we all remember is Giannis had one great game against them in uh, Milwaukee on that you know that first I think weekend of the season or whatever it was. And then not so great in mm-hmm. in Charlotte. I believe that was still the only time this season that he has not cracked twenty points. Um, he's got a streak of nine straight games scoring twenty five plus right now. And obviously, you know, if Giannis scores fourteen points on terrible shooting, uh, the Bucks probably aren't going to win. And in Charlotte in that game, you know, even Chris Middleton going for a career high, what was it, forty three? I think he had. Yep. Um, it wasn't enough against a, a Hornets team that just destroyed the Bucks from the three point line. So. I'm expecting both of these to be games. Like, uh, I I think that's crazy talk to say that it would be some sort of embarrassment if they don't win both of these games. Like, uh, unless you, unless you're coming from a place where you think the Bucks should win every game that they play, Um, I I think that that might be a bit of an unfair expectation. And obviously, you went through the numbers and the odds in both of those games. I I think playing a team twice on back-to-back nights. in two different cities is really difficult. It's a, it's a tough thing to do, um, and it's a tough thing to to come out with wins in both of them. So I think you're going to see the Bucks challenged at some point during this weekend. So uh, we will see exactly what they do, and we will recap it after the weekend. Uh, we'll talk about that probably on Sunday, and you'll have a new podcast all ready to go for you on Monday. This is 
Uh, episode 301, not quite as exciting as episode 300. Um, but thank you for listening. We'll do all of that. Uh, that's Frank Madden. I'm Eric Name. This episode has been brought to you by MyBookie. Again, use the promo code LONBA to activate an offer there um, where they will match your deposit with up to a 50% bonus. That's at MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. That's going to be it for us for Lockdown Bucks for this episode and for this week. We'll talk to you on Monday. See you later.